I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Please be advised that Gen X This Is Why contains adult language. Gen X pro tip, don't let a bunch of blind kids feel you. Hi and welcome to Gen X This Is Why, the podcast where we re-examine the sometimes bizarre and often scarring media from our shared childhood. My name is Amy, and I'm a proud Gen Xer, born in 1977. And I'm her sister, Jenny, born in 1974. Jen, what's going on today? Um, I just had a busy morning. You did? Yeah, I tried to work out after our debauchery all weekend. All I did was eat <laughs> and drink. So I tried to get up and work out today. Timmy and I went out to see Jenny this weekend. I think we got there at noon, and we drank all day. Yeah, ate. pretty much. Yep. Yeah. We started with, like, several margaritas. Mm-hmm. Got in a fight in the Mimi Bees. Right. Mhm. Mhm. Um guys, this episode enraged me to madness. <laughs> Just okay. gonna say this. We are looking at season 6, episode 5, Annabelle. The description yeah. reads, a circus act passes through Walnut Grove and Nels Olsen is horrified when he spots his estranged sister Annabelle as the fat lady. Embarrassed by her appearance, Nels denies any relation to her. I mean, you know it's not off to a good start. No. Um, Harriet is awful. Yeah. But but here's the thing, and not that this is a pass, but you expect that behavior from her. You don't expect that shit from Nels. Correct. Okay. And we'll talk about that. All right. So I do have a watch recommendation. We'll talk about it at the end. Why? Jenny, I know you're not watching anything new. So I'm watching Seinfeld. We've been you're through this. Seinfeld. Okay. I love Seinfeld. Guys, Jenny and I were out over the weekend, and we met somebody who did not like Shit's Creek. Yeah, I thought there was going to be blows. <laughs> and loved you. Oh, yeah. As soon as Which, I heard that, I'm like, oh, no. Guys, Here we go. I like you for the trash that it is. That's okay? not what this was, though. That's not what this was. All right. So, Jen, let's get to the episode. We open on the gang of kids walking through the woods following some dude named London. Can I just say that this is written by Del Reisman, who is a new writer? Okay, he's not bad. He's not bad. Because he wove in stories. Yeah. 
I was pretty impressed. So the fact that it's not a new writer is, I'm not surprised. Directed by Claxton. Of course. So London tells the kids he just appeared on top of a mountain and he is from nowhere. So, you know, don't let Carrie hear this. I just thought that this guy's a shyster. <laughs> he is hiring these kids to do some shit for a traveling circus coming to Walnut Grove this Saturday night. London's Circus. Apparently, they're in town at the invitation of Nels Olsen. Yes. So now we see a parade down Main Street through the town. The parade was pretty impressive. I just have fucking clowns. Like There was a clown on stilts who was real, real tall. That's usually what happens when you're on stilts. Do you remember stilts? No. No, I don't. Like, is that still a thing? Like, a thing where? Like, who's wearing stilts? It's probably a thing in Williamsburg. Like, there's probably hipsters on stilts. <laughs> they have the tall bikes and the unicycles. Um, okay. So, there are a lot of clowns. A lot of clowns. And there's, I'm going to call her an overweight woman. Okay. Okay. The whole town is out there clapping. I wrote there's some fucked up clowns acting all clown-like. And I have a theory. Whoever created the clown based it on an older sibling. What do you mean whoever created the clown? Like the idea of the clown, which I know comes from a jester of the court. They're an older sibling because they just set out to be dicks and to scorch you. <laughs> do you disagree? Um... Sure. It's, yeah, I agree. Okay. Nels comes out and he tells some asshole clown that everyone is invited to eat at Nellie's restaurant as much as you can eat. He tells the sad clown. Yeah, I don't like clowns. I have an index card. Uh. <clears throat> I have an index card about, so I was, I was researching, because the whole sad clown thing is like a weird thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's a whole mm -hmm. different strange thing. And I was researching, like, what's the history of that and stuff. I'm like, oh, it started in, like, all these different places. Like, it's hard to say exactly where it started. But yeah. there's this thing called the sad clown paradox. Ooh. And it's, like, a mental, like, it's, like, they study it in psychology. Okay. So this, this is how they, like, explain a lot of the mental disorders of comedians. So it's a contradictory association between comedy and mental disorders such as depression and anxiety. These comic performers are characterized by feelings of depression and isolation in their early lives, where comedy evolves as a release for tension, removing feelings of suppressed physical rage through verbal outlet. Oh, okay. So think about it. Think about, like, angry comedians, <laughs> right? Like, like that's, Bobcat Goldweight? Or Sam like, Kinison? Yeah. Like, Motherfucker! Like, <laughs> fuck you! And, like, what's his name? Carlin? Yeah, but Carlin, think about Sam Kennison. So there was, was a thing. There was a series of psychological experiments first published in 1981 that indicate certain behavior traits exclusive to comedians and not matched with regular actors. So this is like really specific to comedians. Okay. Sad clown paradox is characterized by cyclomitic temperament, which I don't know what that means. I should have looked it up. Which encourages the creation of lighthearted humor in a professional setting despite inner turmoil. <laughs> Some of the methods of studies they used to study this, one of them was the Rorschach test. Remember this? Did mm -hmm, you ever have mm -hmm. a Rorschach test? I did. I don't know if I've ever had one. I know what I they definitely are, did. but I've never had one. I had it when I was a kid. Was this in your fucking gifted program? No, it was before that, I think. And the four things that they identified that are... Was it that at are, the orphanage? Yes. 
that that are um, common in comedians is the identification of not bad imagery, a tra- like a traditionally negative idea like the devil they mm-hmm. see as like as like misunderstood. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, the idea of purity versus evil, not good versus evil. Okay, which I thought was kind of interesting. That's interesting. They have a weird relationship with scale. So, like, think about it. Like, a lot of these comedians did, like, the clowns have big shoes and, like, they have the big pants and, like, small hats and, like, all these, like, weird, like, Mm -hmm. odd scale associations. And then the importance of up versus down, which I thought was very strange. Like, this idea of falling. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know. I I admittedly did not spend a lot of time on that index card. And uh, it was super interesting, though, and I'd like to understand more. Jenny's ready to go down the rabbit hole. Yeah. With the clowns. By the way, Jen, I can't tell you the itch you scratched by sending me that photo on Facebook today. The of a whale, whale coming out of the water next to a boat. I feel like I need the print a print of that for my house. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. So, anyway, we have the parade. We have the sad clown. Nels invites them all over to eat at Nellie's as much as you can eat. And then he spots Annabelle. And he's just staring. And the love love story music kicks up again. Oh, no, wait. That's Godfather. No, I'm not doing that's it. That's Godfather. Not doing it. Why do I always do that? I don't know. Harriet begins ridiculing her. Of course. And that's all I'm going to say about it right there. And, and they're, they're all, like, super dressed up for lunch, too. Did you notice? Yes. Very dressed up. Nels goes up to his room, and he's sulking. And the set depicts this. Like, it's dark in there. I thought it was nighttime. Yeah, it's really weird. He doesn't want to go to the free lunch in Jen, but Harriet forces him to. Well, and Harriet's like, what's up? Because, like, Nels just did a 180 completely. Right. It's weird. So, so over at Nellie's, the circus folk have gathered, and Annabelle is introduced as the leading lady. And did you notice she's in some kind of cupie doll outfit? Yeah. Like a baby doll outfit. Yeah, that's super weird. It's real weird. I feel like there's a few fetishes being combined there. (laughs) I don't know what's happening. Carolyn is cooking with Laura in the back room, and Nels and Harriet are there, too. Laura is getting all the food on the plate to serve people, and she starts putting a ton of food on one plate. And Carolyn's like, what are you doing? And she's like, this is for the fat lady. And Carolyn's like... Knock it off. <laughs> Don't you think off, she's kid. not going to... Like, if she wants second, she can come back and eat. It's but, but here's my question. Is Laura being malicious? No. She no. just does. She just no. sees a problem and, like, oh, she must need a lot of food. Yes. She's but not like, being malicious. But she doesn't know she's being insulting. Correct. Yes. Because right. this is where... Think about it like this is where you, your parents teach you and you learn how to act in the world. Oh, is that what happens? And they're not, they don't have any heavier people around them. Right. Well, at this time, it wasn't as common as it is now. Right. That we could see anyway. Right. I don't know. So Nels walks out of the kitchen and walks right past Annabelle. Well, my, my whole argument to that, though, is that Laura doesn't see anything wrong with it. Do you know what I mean? Like, she doesn't understand that there's shame associated with it. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, like, so are the adults wrong or is Laura wrong? The adults are wrong. Right. Yes. Because, like, she just is like, oh, she just likes to eat a lot. Like, so what? Like, right. no it's big Carol- deal. Yeah, it's she's Carolyn. She's just solving this problem. Right. right. It's Carolyn who assumes that she's going to be embarrassed. 
And that she should be or will be. Right. Yeah. So Nels walks out of the kitchen, walks right past Annabelle, and you could see her recognize him, and she starts to say something, but he keeps walking. This was horrible. Unbelievable. This was horrible. Guys, I remembered this episode. Like, really, I remembered it. Harriet is staring at Annabelle eating. So Nels and Harriet are over in the corner, and they're eating, and Harriet cannot stop watching Annabelle eat. She calls her a starving elephant. And I'm going to pull out the big guns here, Jenny, and say, Harriet is a see you next Tuesday. You wow. Know what I'm <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I was so enraged. Oh, my God. What adult acts this way? What adult acts this way? Oh, lots of adults act this way. <sighs> okay. So later we see Annabelle and she's in our corner in the tent and she's really depressed. And a bunch of the circus folk call London over because they're like really worried about her. And Annabelle tells them Nels is her brother. And she doesn't know where he lived and she doesn't he doesn't know that she joined the circus. So she's like, we just didn't know. And she's like, then I saw him and if only he had smiled, like I would have hugged him. And the whole, well, the whole we hear that he's been like this her whole life. Mm-hmm. The whole troop seems to really love her. And she said Nels is still ashamed of her and her bulk. And he was like this when they were kids. I take back everything I said about London. He seems to actually be a decent person. I like London. I uh, at first I thought hot. he was like an asshole. But the, like he seems okay now. I thought he was a little hot. I, I think I just, and it's because of the show, <laughs> I think. I just automatically go to... This guy's a businessman exploiting these people. Like, you know what <laughs> yes. I mean? Because, like, this is, what, yes. this is the trope we see so often. Yes. yes. So then we have, I call him a little person. And he's like, what's wrong with your size? There's nothing wrong with your size, Annabelle, or my size. There seems to be, he seems super familiar. Is he somebody famous? I don't know. He seemed very familiar. He goes, when your brother looked away from you, he looked away from all of us. And he wants to leave, but London's like, we have a contract, dude. Like, we got to stay here. <laughs> I can't get out of this. So they all tell Annabelle they love her, and they all hug. And we cut to Nels and his guilty conscience keeping him up all night. <laughs> yep. Yep. I have his guilt is eating him alive. Mm-hmm. I have Nels's putzing around the house to love story music. So later, Harriet and Willie are hanging up posters for the circus. Now, Jen, do they really need to advertise? Doesn't everybody just know everything that's going on in town? I mean, there's like 30 people in this town. Most of them were at the parade. Well, and Willie is a, is a marketing genius, as per usual. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm going to hang these on the outhouses. Yep, per usual. And Harriet's like, no, you can't do that. And he's like, everyone will see them. So, like, he's he's basically found his captive audience. He Willie is all about viral media before it's a thing. Yeah, totally. And all you need to do is tell Laura. The whole town will know. Harriet knows. Yeah, yeah. And then I put, where's Hanson? But then I remembered, oh, he did. (laughs) He did. Hanson did. (laughs) So, anyway, Nels is still mopey. And Harriet tells him he's been acting queerly since the circus came to town. What's up with you? Jenny, does Nels feel like he can tell Harriet what's wrong? Oh, hell no. She's going to lose her shit if he tells her this. Yep. So she says they should take a poster and put it on the back of the fat lady because, you know, she's so wide. Wow. When I saw Charles in the next scene, I was like, thank God. Like, something just came over me that I was like, thank God. 
Okay. I don't know why. He's like the conscience of the show or something. Like, here he comes. So Charles comes in, looking all hot. And he asks London if one of the performers can come over to the blind school and talk with the kids. And London says, yes, Annabelle would be great. And Charles is like, oh, the fat lady? Oh, yeah, the fat lady. She'll do. I have real problems with this. All right. Well, first of all, did you get that London's like, hey, kids, finish, like the child labor in this scene. There's clearly no child labor laws. And then like Laura tries to take a break and he's like, what are you doing? Like, keep on working. Yeah. He's like, get to work, get to work. But it was in um, this scene that I realized London was the was the sad clown. I didn't realize it. Still. Yeah, I realized it. Did not realize it. Uh, you just spoiled it for everybody. Okay, for so, those who are pausing our podcast and trying to watch the show in between. <laughs> okay. So good work. So the fat lady is what they called that act, correct? Yes. So when I say the fat lady, I'm referring to the name of the act. I'm not calling her the fat lady. So Charles was also like the bearded lady, the strong man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Jenny, have you ever been to a circus like this? Like we we went to this is the freak show. This is the freak show. So I've been to freak shows. I have too, but I don't feel that like they're like this anymore. No, I mean the the ones I was to is like people training snakes. The Coney Island right is like stunts and yeah, like laying on a bed of nails that kind of stuff. Like, it's not like we just put people in a cage and laugh at them. No, I haven't seen that. Um, American Horror Story had a season. Oh, that was a great one. A freak show. That was pretty good. That was good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So, meanwhile, Laura is concerned about the sad clown. She just hasn't seen him around. And London's like, he does this a lot. He just heads off somewhere to mope. Mope, mope, mope. Laura suggests he might be suffering from some residual drama. (laughs) And London's like, fuck if I know, dude. He hasn't spoken since I met him. And Jenny, I just have a little thing here I'd like to say. Tonight on an all-new Dateline, a beloved circus performer, a jester everyone loved to see, and a horrifying murder that would turn the small town of Walnut Grove into a media circus. He was the sad clown with the painted face and dripping frown. He was the centerpiece of the London Circus, one of the most talented troops west of the Mississippi. He brought a certain kind of stoic, yet joyful presence to each town. Until one night in August, when this killer sad clown crossed paths with the young co-ed from the Harry Olson School for Blind. <laughs> what happened on that warm summer night that finally made this sad clown snap? Dateline investigates. Here's Keith Morrison with London Fog. <laughs> um... Well, I mean, that's the sad clown paradox. Like, basically, they're saying they were either going to be comedians or serial killers. Yes, because that's yeah. what I felt like. That's where I thought we were going. Like, this sad clown is suffering from trauma and is a sociopath and is gone somewhere. <laughs> well, and has a split personality. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So that was my Dateline wrap-up. Yeah, okay. that was amazing. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Do you like the title of the episode, London Fog? <laughs> Come on, that's pretty good. All right, at the blind school, Annabelle is absolutely charming with the students, don't you think? Yeah. She's amazing. So she tells the kids, like, you've been listening to my voice. Can you guess what part I play in the circus? And everybody, like, these kids are coming up with stupid answers. The one kid is like bearded lady. He goes immediately bearded lady. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she tells Well, that's after she says she's in the freak show, though. (laughs) She tells them she's the fat lady 
And in a real weird move, she invites the whole class to come up and feel her. <laughs> and I wrote, isn't that illegal? I'm and like, I this think- is... I'm like, this kid's all handsy and it's super weird. <laughs> I think one kid touched her boob. <laughs> Guys, Gen X pro tip. Don't let a bunch of blind kids feel you because <laughs> you're going to get felt up. <laughs> or anyone. <laughs> but they're blind and they can't see that they're they don't not know, grabbing right? your boob. <laughs> right, right. All right. So Nels walks in while this is happening, and in his defense, he could be as weirded out by this touching as we are. Sure. <laughs> but whatever. He tells, Sis- Sis- he tells Hester Sue he's here to drop off supplies, and he walks up. He's I have a real lost dickbag. all respect for Nels at this point. Nels is a real dickbag. At home, Laura's making a dress for some bitch, Christy oh, Norton. My God, she's horrible. Wow. Someone who Laura describes as pretty and perfect. Mm-hmm. And apparently Laura's getting paid to do this. So now Laura's mm-hmm. taking on Mary's job. I don't know what's happening. She has everyone's job. But I will say this, Jenny. These Mary free episodes are just so delightful for me to cover. Like Whatever. when I don't have that wet blanket around. Albert comes in and he's like, hey, Laura, do you want my circus ticket to give to Almanzo? And Laura's like, what? What are you talking about? No. What are you talking about? <laughs> Carolyn shames Laura for being mean to Albert, and Laura climbs upstairs, and she's like, I'll take your ticket. <laughs> okay. Now Laura is agonizing over how to ask Almanzo to the circus, and she even slaps herself across the face. Well, I'm like, Laura, there's this weird inner monologue that Laura discusses with herself and us. Mm-hmm. She's like, I don't know what to do. I could say this. I could say that. And then she slaps herself. They should have just let... Laura handle this and like act it out in a normal way instead of writing this specific script for her. What do you mean? They should have let Melissa Gilbert? They should have said, Melissa Gilbert, agonize over how you're going to ask Almanzo and just let her run with it because it would have been better. Okay. Because this doesn't feel natural. 14 year old to improv? (laughs) This doesn't feel natural. Okay. At all. Yeah. I mean, sure. She's 14, get ready to ask out a 25 year old. Right. So, now we see Manly. Hey, everyone, it's Manly. (laughs) No. I'm hanging up right now if you don't stop that. And so is everyone else. The crowd loves it. No, they don't. No, they hate it. So, (laughs) Manly is just slinging bags of seed, Jen. He took Uh, pause old job. job. (laughs) Slinging it. And he's like, hello, Beth. She asks him to go to the circus with her, and he's like, Oh, can't. Can't do it. Because you're a kid, and that's inappropriate. And I've asked someone my own age. No, he doesn't say, because you're a kid, and it's inappropriate. He just (laughs) says, I have another date. I know. He's like, I already have two tickets. One for me and one for a woman that I asked. A grown-ass lady. Just then, Christy Norton shows up. She's worried about her dress, and Laura assures her she will have her dress to the parents' house by 5 o'clock. I thought there was going to be some epic sewing revenge. There was. Not really. Yes, there was. So Manly says he'll pick her up at seven. Then she tells Manly in Laura's earshot, I hope that child gets this shit done. Jen, I'm terrified because I know now I'm seeing that Laura is a sociopath. Yeah. Laura is like, guys, if you're watching you, speaking of the show you, Laura's like love where Joe can't like even look at another woman or she's gonna kill her 
Okay. And that's what's going on here. Like, th- Laura is crazy about Manly and just sabotaging every chance he has at Yeah, I thought she was going to, like, sew, like, spider nests into the dress or something. Well, she did have sewing revenge because she didn't sew the skirt all the way. No. And then it fell off. Yes. Okay. You didn't pick up on that? No. Okay. Laura mopes to Albert, and he tells her, Almanzo's too old for you, dude. Just ditch this guy. She's, mm-hmm. He's like, just ditch mm-hmm. this guy. Give it up, he goes. Laura's walking away, and she spots sad clown killer. <laughs> 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 so she decides to have a chat with him, one sad person to another. And she tells him they're alike because they're both sad and can't tell anyone. She decides... She can tell Sad Clown that she's in love with Almanzo and that she's too young for him. She's afraid he's going to meet someone before she has the chance to marry him. Before she has the chance to grow up. Sad Clown rips off the wig and reveals it's London. I'm like, oh my god, I did not see that coming. No, I did. I did not see that coming. It's him. You could see it. I wasn't paying that close attention, I guess. So he offers to let Laura be a clown. (laughs) And I wrote, oh, Lord, I remember this How now. How can this go wrong? Yep. Albert overhears this, and now he's compromised, so they have to make him a clown. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So now we're in the Olsen's living room, and Nels is getting ready to be the ringmaster. What the fuck is this nonsense? I don't know. He invites the circus to town, and now he has to work it? No one, they don't have a ringmaster in the circus? Isn't London the ringmaster? Isn't that the most important role in the circus? It's London's circus. London should be the ringmaster. Jesus Christ. Okay. So he's a nervous wreck, and Harriet's like, just make fun of that fat lady. Everyone loves it. (sighs) And she starts making fun of the fat lady, and Nellie's making fun of the fat lady, and Willie, and they're all laughing. Nell's hits the... A wall. And he's like, I'm done. That's enough. So, what's the Mother Debbie thing? I'm Mother Debbie Dunn. (laughs) I'm Mother Debbie Dunn. So, the fat lady is my sister. And then we have love story music. And shocked faces. And Nell storms off and he goes to find Annabelle. Okay. So, Annabelle hanging out in the the Turkish scent. Did you hear that? I almost said Turkish scent. What okay. is that called when you flip? Dyslexia? Dyslexia, I think, yeah. So he's in the, she is in the circus tent. And they start to recall their life together. And she's like, Nels, you were always a huge dick to me. He used to get up earlier than anyone in the house, go to school, just so he wouldn't have to walk with her. Jenny? Wow. And then he marries wow. a monster like Harriet. What I is know. going on in his world? Nels is not okay. Do you think on some level he married Harriet as punishment? Maybe. For what he did? Maybe. You know what I mean? He's Mm -hmm. seeking out some behavior there. So he starts to defend himself, but he's like, you know what? I can't. Like, you were right. And then Annabelle says, I love this so much. She says, I have a place in this life. I have a purpose. I make people laugh. And Nels asks for her forgiveness for insulting her and making her leave their home. So not only did he terrorize her, but he made her leave? Yeah, that's crazy. Wow. 
She tells him, don't worry about it, dude. I have a big family, and they're not dicks, and they love me. Unlike you, motherfucker. Unlike you. It was just so... That speech by her was so moving. Okay. At the Ingalls, Laura shows Carolyn the dress. Jenny, Carolyn is concerned it's not finished. The skirt is just blasted. It's not secured. Okay. That's why the skirt comes off later. Does it come off? Yes. It was all part of the plan. Carolyn's like, you don't have that skirt. It's just blasted. And she's like, oh, I'll finish it. I'll finish it. Basted. I'm sorry. Basted. And she's like, I'll finish it. I'll finish it. Like, no big deal. But she never does. (laughs) So Laura's like, I'll have this to Christie's on time. Don't worry. So So she shows up to Christie's. And Christie's only paying her half the work because she was five minutes late. What a horrible bitch. And I wrote, okay, maybe she deserves what's coming. Yeah, yeah, totally. Nels is sulking in his dark bedroom again, Jen. <laughs> Harriet comes in and she makes things worse. She's like, no one knows about this, so we're good. We're good. And then she's like, if Annabelle cared for you at all, Nels, she wouldn't look like that. Wow. How did the actors who played Harriet Olsen deliver these lines? I know. Like, did you ever think about that? Catherine McGregor, is that her name? Yeah. I'm sure she's a decent human being. I mean, didn't Ma Ingalls tell us she used to be called Scotty? And she was a lot of fun. But there was also, like, it was okay to make fun of fat people then. Yeah, it was. No one thought twice about it. No. Like, this is a little crueler, but, like, it's not like it is now. I'll get to it. Okay. You don't want to wind me up in that direction yet. Okay. Save that. So, on the night of the circus, there was something funny in the trivia that I read for this episode, which is the actress, the twins who played Baby Grace, were terrified of the set and cried the whole time. And well, we Grace see, was having a meltdown. We do see Grace <laughs> having a meltdown the entire time. So, Nels is introducing the acrobats, and there's some, clou- some clowns running around with the big bucket of water. And I wrote, they threw it on Mary. Okay, now I have several things I need to talk about here. Why is Mary at the circus? Why not? Why is she at the circus? Why wouldn't she be? She can't see any of it. She can hear it. That's The circus is a visual medium. Yeah, whatever. She's, they're having fun. Like, I could see if she went to a concert or an orchestra. or, But the circus is real visual. I don't know. Somebody's probably telling them what's happening. And now the clown decides to pick on her and throw shit on the blind people. And I wrote, this has to be Laura. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Christy is not enjoying herself. She's like, this is for children. Why the fuck are we here? And Manly's like, oh, I love the circus. Okay. She wants out. She just wants to get out of here. (laughs) She wants out. Well, and then Ma's like, where are Laura and Albert? They're missing. Like, what could possibly go wrong? (laughs) The clowns come out again with a bucket of water, a real bucket this time. And Charles is like, he's, you're right, Jenny, because he's narrating to Mary everything that's happening. Yeah. Okay, so he's telling Mary what's going on. So she throws the water on Christy and everyone is dying laughing because as soon as she stands up, her basted skirt comes undone and falls to the floor. I didn't catch that part. 
And Charles is yelling, she's in her bloomers. She's in her bloomers. Oh, my God. It was hilarious. Because Mary's I, I going, missed what's that happening? Part. What's happening? <laughs> some, I clowned her water on some chick, and now she's soaked and her dress fell off. <laughs> and Mary's like, God damn it. If there was ever a time I didn't want to be blind. <laughs> so Laura, at, dressed as the clown, runs over and says, hi, Ma. And Carolyn's like, oh, God you. damn it. You little sociopath. <laughs> Next, Annabelle is up, and the whole crowd is making fun of her. And this is getting to Nell's. Like, part of Annabelle's shtick, like her act, is that, oh, the clowns can't lift me. They can't, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, it's it's all based around being a fat person. So the whole crowd is just making fun of her. And Nell's decides, at the end of the circus, that he's going to give a touching speech about how proud he is of his sister, Annabelle. And so Harriet Nels, dies. Harriet just dies. I just have Nels is coming out as a relative of a fat person. How brave. <laughs> what an asshole. He's such an asshole. Harriet dies. Annabelle comes out. They hug. Although you could see Annabelle for a minute is like. Mm. Well, I was surprised that Nellie and Willie were cheering and seemed happy. They did. They really did. So Annabelle comes out. They hug. End of episode. Yep. Jay, whose fault is this? It's Nels's fault. This is squarely, clearly, absolutely 100% Nels' fault. Well, I have a bigger question. Where were his parents? I don't know, but if you're talking about this episode, are we are we, are we we dissecting Nels and Annabelle's <laughs> life and our upbringing, or are we talking about this episode? I think this needs to be in the prequel that I talked about. We need to see Nels and Annabelle's upbringing, and then we can really, really hate Nels. And think he deserves every minute of Harriet. Uh, yeah, like, it was just surprising, because you think he's, like, this decent guy. Yeah, and he's not. Okay. So, Jenny, at the end of every episode, we look back on a theme or a lesson, and we talk about something we took from this that may have influenced us in some way or impacted our worldview. We call it our why it's designed to finish the sentence. Gen X, this is why. Jenny, what is your why for this episode? This is why we thought it was perfectly okay to shame fat people because we are always given the message that it was their fault and that's and that that it was their fault that they were overweight. Yeah. Yep. Mhm. 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 Very good. Um I have something similar. So for those of you who don't know, I wrote a book called Fat Girl Skinny and I wrote it just about this. Yep. And do you remember Jenny when you read that book you called me up? And you said to me, I cannot believe that people treated you this way. Yeah. Like in that day and age, I couldn't believe it. I wrote it because of this. Because fat shaming is the last acceptable stereotype that is allowed. And like you'll see people do it um, even like, for example, Bill Maher, who is a trash person. He'll be like railing against ageism because, of course, it applies to him. Because it applies to him. Right? Yep. And then the next minute, he's making fun of Chris Christie's weight. Yep. And it's like, dude, you can make fun of a lot of things about Chris Christie. Yes, you can. Not his weight. Yeah. Like, I just feel like it's so acceptable. So in the book, it's a memoir, and it's about this period of time where um, I had lost 100 pounds on Weight Watchers. And it kind of talks about how you are still always the fat person. Like, you still always have those behaviors. And it's interesting because even in therapy, I still will say things to my therapist and I'll go, that's the fat person talking. Like, there's still reflexes that Mm -hmm. I have of that. 
But in the book, I talk a lot about how my coworkers used to blatantly make fun of me. Wow. In a professional setting. It was really bad. Like, this is how people are treated. So I have, this is why proper representation is so important. If you want to work towards body positivity, why not just cast a fat character without it being about weight? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, just have a fat person. So I, I went down the rabbit hole on representation in media. And I read this, like, academic article. And they were talking about how gay representation took a long time. But, like, Will and Grace was one of the first. But think about how over-the-top Jack was. Mm-hmm. And that was the foray into gay representation where now you have shows where there are gay couples and it's not about their gayness well and it's a, it's a whole spectrum of people instead of like one type right like even modern family cam is still really a stereotype well the problem with with rep- with a lot of the gay representation early on is they didn't get gay people to play gay people right <laughs> so cam like, is not gay on modern yeah family. like it's yeah yep so like don't tell me you can't find gay actors (laughs) right so showing annabelle as a regular person who just like lives a regular life instead of hitting us over the head by showing us people being mean to her and her having to be saved by her own brother's acceptance right like i feel like you're you're leaving the lesson up to the audience like you're leaving it up to the audience to interpret that harriet and nell or harriet nells are the bad people yeah. And that Annabelle is good. Half the people aren't going to get that lesson. No. They're going to see the Harriet Nell's behavior and think that's okay. Well, you know what show I think does this well? Hmm. Shrill. Yes. So I have that in my note. Mm-hmm. Um, when we have fat people in shows, their weight is always part of it. Never do they play like a successful lead. Like they're never like the lawyer or the doctor. They're portrayed as, like, low-class, like Roseanne, or, like, ugly and mean, like Mimi on the Drew Carey show. Or there was that sitcom Mike and Maddie where they were both heavy, and it was, like, always about them trying to lose weight. Yep. And I wrote, Shrill is one show that does this really well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, it's just her normal life. Like, she's just living life as a normal person. There's no, like, it's not about, I mean. It is, though. Well, there's stuff about it, but it's not only about that. Like, Mm -hmm. she's more of a well-rounded character. Right, because you can't. So you can't pretend, like, you can't have somebody, like, say they gave Annabelle a story and they just had her. You can't pretend that weight would never come up. Of course. Because in real life, it's going to. Sure. But it doesn't only need to be about weight. It's not the only thing. Right. Right. Yeah. Like, weight can play into it. And that's what Shrill does so beautifully. Like, I call her Andy Bryant. A.D. Bryant, because that's her name. But what is the character's name? I can't remember the Uh, character's name. I can't remember either. But she's great. She She's wrote great. it. She and wrote she, it, right? She no. She did it. I don't think so. Oh, now we need to look this up. Hold on. Hold. Pause. We're back. It's based on a book by Lindy West. Um, Shrill notes from a loud woman, and uh, she plays. Ad Bryant plays Annie Easton. Go ahead, Jane. But, like, it's, it's, I mean, that's the problem with any kind of marginalized group representation, right? Is that it's only about the one thing that makes them different or mm-hmm. that is, is unique to them. Instead of looking at them as, as 
well-rounded people. Like, she's also a woman. She's also of a certain age. She's also white. Like, all those things are also part of her personality. It's not just that she's overweight. Yeah. Like, what does it mean? Like, it's like, it's the intersectionality, right? Like, what does it mean to be all these things? Like, what? Like people are complex. They're not, yeah. they're not like this one-dimensional thing that often gets portrayed and especially gets portrayed in 80s TV. Yeah, 100%. And it's always this, it's always this, um, this dynamic or this, this trope, if you will, of, and Michael Landon does it a lot on Little House, like, here's a black person. People are going to be mean to them, but in the end, somebody rescues them by somebody accepting rescues them. them. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like, I feel like that's just super risky because you're showing young audiences both sides of this. And there are going to be those assholes who relate to the Nels and Harriet's. Yep. And think that's okay. Instead yeah. of just seeing Annabelle. I don't know. Yeah. I just I think mean, it's weird. The 80s were, they were really bad with this. Because, and I think it comes from like around that time, and I don't think it's really our generation that did this. Don't forget, a lot of what came out of our generation was crafted by the boomers. Yeah. Because like we were children, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Is this this idea of putting people in nice, tidy boxes, right? Like yeah. you're a nerd, you're this. You're, I mean, that, that was reinforced over and over and over again constantly. Mm-hmm. And like, People don't fit in tidy boxes. Like, that's just how it is. Like, that's that doesn't make any sense. But it's just, like, it's it's just a further extension of that idea of, like, you're this thing. Yeah. You're this label. Here, here's what you are. Yeah. But, I, I mean, I could go on forever about how horribly fat people are treated. I mean, it's just... And I think, you know, I see my kids now, and my kids have a lot of friends with differing body types and of different colors and of different sexual orientation and of different whatever and they don't even see it like they don't even make a comment about it so i do think these generations are better than us in many oh, ways yeah yeah in many ways it's really refreshing i mean even when we were out in your neighborhood this weekend we've had a lot of like 24 year olds right <laughs> like a lot of the bartenders of the bars we were at were like mm-hmm. 23 24 years old and they were like, we're fluid, we're this, we're that. Like, mm-hmm. just so accepting yeah. and so whatever. It was, like, really refreshing to I be I mean, to be that. fair, you're also in one of the most liberal places on you Earth. You are. You are. Yeah. But I, I, I see that I do not live in a liberal area. And I see in my kids an acceptance and a, a just they don't see certain things. You know what I mean? And it's... Well, I don't know. Like, I hate to be like... They don't see it because that has that whole, like, that whole I don't see color thing, which when is that, which When is that bad. is applied to race, that's a problem. Yeah. Correct. Like, that's, but it, I think there when, are differences in people and that's okay, but it doesn't have to be a dividing factor. Like, it doesn't have to be something that is a negative. But I think you can use a sentiment like that around weight. Like, they don't really see somebody who's heavy differently. I don't know. Maybe that's because they grew up with me, a fat woman as their mother. I don't know. You know, I mean, they don't they don't think twice about it that I know of. Well, wait, yeah, th- you're right. I think weight is different than race. Like it, it's much different, different body types. Like who cares? Mm-hmm. Right. Like that just right. is what it is. You know, when you get into race, like you need to see the how that how the socioeconomic structure. Yes. Is functioning. Yep. Right. Yep. And, and, and where the problems are and where the inequalities are. That's different. hundred percent. 
Yeah. Then, you can't do the colorblind thing. Yeah. No, you That's can't. ridiculous. Okay, so I want to announce something, Jenny. Um, I'm going to be doing a special episode that you're going to get on the free feed. Um, we're going to do a joint episode with Lori from the Untitled Gen X podcast. And we're going to be looking at the infamous episode of Saved by the Bell where Jesse takes speed. So that's going to be happening. <laughs> Look for that on your feeds, hopefully next week. I'm going to record it with her this weekend, and then it'll be on their feed and on ours for both of us to, mm-hmm. uh, for both audiences to enjoy. So you remember, Jenny, when she took all the speed and she was like, I'm so excited. And she was saying, I hate then, Saved by the Bell. Okay. All right. I never watched it. I hate it. 80% of the audience will know what I'm talking about. Oh, okay. so what's 80% of 12? <laughs> Is that a real question? It's nine. I know. That's 75%. Close. All right, Jenny. So what's coming up next on our feed? It is The Preacher Takes a Wife. The description reads, Reverend Alden begins spending time with the kindly Anna Craig. And the Reverend's spirit is truly glowing as he discovers romance for the very first time in his life. Just as he is about to propose, an unexpected turn of events props Anna to break things off. Ooh. Why do I feel like Harriet's involved? He's a reverend, so he can absolutely date people. And this is the first time? (laughs) We haven't really seen much of him. No, he's been quiet. Yeah. (laughs) What's he doing? (laughs) All right, guys. And if you haven't already, check out our interview with um, Karen Grassley, who played Carolyn Ingalls. We had a lot of fun chatting with her. The book was really interesting. Um, some of the stuff that we didn't talk about in our, um, our interview with her was like just some of the tensions on the set with Landon and her, because there was a big contract dispute for season two where he wanted to pay her what the kids were getting. My God. And she stuck to her guns and she was like, no fucking way, dude. No way. That's the right response. It was really interesting. So we talked to her a little bit about that and a lot about her work for um, in women's rights and getting the ERA passed, which still wasn't passed, and stuff like that. So check that out if you want. Also, I have a watching recommendation, Jenny. Oh, are we finally getting to that? Mm-hmm. It's okay. Made on Netflix. Oh. Made, M-A-I-D. Oh, okay. it's, it's phenomenal. It's really good. It's based on a memoir... And it's about this woman who is living with a guy. They live in a trailer park. They have a kid together. The guy's son. This is what it explores so beautifully is what is abuse. The guy's kind of abusive. Like he doesn't hit her, but he exhibits physical abuse toward her. Mm -hmm. And she decides to leave him. And it's all about how the system doesn't work and fails her. And it's just, it's an amazing, amazing story. I highly recommend the series. I think it's really good. Jenny, you would like it. All right, I'll check that out after and eventually, the nine, 19 eventually, episodes, 19 seasons of Seinfeld. Eventually, she goes on to go to college and become a writer. Mm. And it's interesting. No, it good. It's interesting because I was talking with my friend this morning and I was saying, this show made me think about what a privilege it is that it was just assumed we were going to college and mm-hmm. our parents were able to put us yep. there. Like, because you see the struggle this girl goes through to get to college. It's it's really, you know, 
makes you think about a lot of things. It's really, really interesting. So Also, I want to say we are three episodes now away from The Return of Ride or Die. Mm. Looking coming forward on, to that. That's coming up on November 30th, 29th. I can't wait to see him again. Cannot wait. All right. And as usual, you can find us on Instagram at Gen X This Is Why. You can join our Facebook group, The Mimi Bees, where Jenny and I get drunk and fight with each other in there. Yeah. Pretty, yeah, we were. Pretty fun. We were, Amy was drunk and posting things in there, so mm-hmm. I felt like I had to warn everybody. Mm-hmm. Jenny was dead sober. All right. I, but I wasn't posting. <laughs> I just felt like I had to warn them that whatever mm-hmm. you're writing, I you're, love, was, you're wasted. I love how they were torn between who to believe. so if you uh if you want to connect with us further go to our website everything's in the show notes join our patreon you get two bonus episodes a month and that's it thanks for listening guys we appreciate it and we'll see you soon Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.